are we really living in a dystopian nightmare? Hollywood seems to think so. Academia seems to think so. The media seems to think so. But is it true? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. Also, a little editor's note here. Uh, we recorded this episode a year ago, back when I was trying. we were trying to um, coincide with an article that I thought was going to get published last year that I was writing that is now published now. It's called uh, Why Does Hollywood Think We Live in a Dystopia? And you can check it out at in a Relevant Magazine. Just check out, Google that article title for Relevant Magazine. Thanks so much for them uh, accepting the article. But uh, we had to take a couple things out because I, in the episode, I recommended going to the place that I thought was going to publish it that didn't end up publishing it. So we cut out those things. And also, you may notice a couple jumps. Also, there's a couple of references that are kind of a little old and dated. So if you notice any of those that just know it was recorded last year, but it's still an awesome episode that you should check out because we do answer whether we think we are living in a dystopia and what that means. So, yeah. Check it out. You'll be glad you did. Now, back to our show. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for people who love to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, tragic optimist. And with me, as always, is my joyfully pessimistic co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and, oh boy, someone who believes he would fare very well in either post-apocalyptic or dystopian world. <laughs> Probably completely un- I don't, <laughs> based on what evidence? I just feel like it. That's fair. I mean, that's, that's, I can't argue with that. You can't argue with that. It's too stupid. Yeah, well. <laughs> so today, speaking of which, we are asking if we today as a society live in a dystopia. But first, if you like our discussions and want to engage more with similar conversations and connect with fellow overthinkers, Nathan, where can people go? People can go to theoverthinkersjournal.com. They can find out more about the hosts and send us all of your love and hate mail and ideas for future episodes. You can also go to our Overthinkers group on Facebook where we have over 6,000 people having fun, thinking deeply with mm. memes, articles, and discussions. Um, and if you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a review. It really does help us so very much and share with a friend. And also, I want to, if this comes out in time, I want to announce we have another live Overthinkers event here in the city on May 19th at the Hepzibah House Parlor. It's a beautiful old hotel. And we're gonna be doing an artist showcase and mixer where we have some of the artists in our community reading poetry, singing songs, doing monologues and doing stand-up comedy all while we sip on bubbly things and eat popcorn. And we wanna see you there. So check out uh, the website where the RSVP Eventbrite will be as well as the Facebook group because we wanna see you in person. It's so, so much fun. And if this episode comes out after that, then it was Nathan, really it fun. It was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> and Nathan, maybe you could cut this out. I don't know. We'll figure out what we'll do with it. Editor's note. Or you know what? We'll keep both. It's called playing the percentages. It's what smart managers do to win bowl games. Update editor's note. Don't! That is all. <laughs> but yes, very awesome. All right. Awesome. Well, do you want to talk about dystopias? I really do, yeah. Cool, yes. Well, I'm very excited. Um, so, movies and TV everywhere today are making the case that the world we live in right now is dystopia. Shows like Squid Games and Severance, movies like Don't Work, Look Up, and basically every movie or show that come out of Marvel, and experimental stand-ups like Bo Burnham's Inside, 
portray our world as one where ordinary people are oppressed by conspiracy of the powerful. Dystopian literature first took off in the 20th century and has remained popular ever since, initially started as a genre which critiqued the truly evil nature of utopian projects to create perfect society like fascist and communist regimes, warnings that Western societies might become such a regime in its future, with classic works like Animal Farm, 1984, Brave New World, and Fahrenheit 451. The dystopian genre took a sharp turn in the 90s with Hollywood films like The Matrix, Fight Club, The Truman Show, and V for Vendetta shifted the focus on the popular imagination to arguing that the modern Western democracies already were dystopia, but simply needed to be awakened to that fact, i.e. red-pilled. This reflects many attitudes by many in the West and across the world, according to Pew Research, that society is bad and getting worse. This is reflected partly in the rising rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide. A growing number of mainstream thinkers are pushing back on this idea that society is bad and getting worse. Books like 10 Global Trends Every Smart Person Should Know, think pieces like Vox's 23 charts and maps to show the world is getting much, much better, all saying the same thing, that because pointing global po globally poverty, violence, racism, sexism are going down while political freedom, wealth, literacy, and education are going up to make their case. Others push back that those aren't the only measures to use and focusing on those things whole back real work that needs to be done on real progress. Nathan, when you look at the world or modern Western society, do you see a dystopia? How would you define a dystopia? And why do you think that there is a feeling that we live in a dystopia, both in pop culture and society more broadly? Well, that was interesting. My first question was going to be, well, we talk about dystopia, we kind of throw it on everything, right? Yes. Oh my gosh, I have to pay, you know, uh, for my license to be renewed. <laughs> we're living in a dystopian <laughs> time. Exactly. And believe me, I'm the one who screams, we're living in a dystopian time every tax season, every time <laughs> yes. I have to pay a fee, every yes. time I just don't like something about modernity, right. I blame it on, we live in a dystopia. But I do think, and you gave a small definition that right. we ought to kind of define the terms we're talking about. Right. What is... Well, I'll ask you, Joseph, okay. and, then, and then I'll give my thoughts. What is your definition of a dystopia? So I consider to be a dystopia, a truly evil society as opposed to other societies. Okay. If you, it's like if you compare it to other societies, it is one that is fundamentally based on its nature and its institutions, evil. Okay, and I will add to that. I think I agree, and I think you'll agree with me. Even in the name dystopia is a yeah. playoff of utopia. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. And so I would say it's a underlying, underlying evil that's hidden beneath a facade of good. It is at least, yeah, or, or, or its aspirations yes. don't match its, its reality in that way. So okay, so that's fair, yeah. It's a society in which it says, this is a good way to yeah. head, or this is a good thing that we're doing, while beneath the you know rosy exterior is actually very insidious. Now, the definition, let's do you look at Oxford definition of dystopia, this is a place with intense um, evil or suffering, usually seen as a totalitarian state or post-apocalyptic state. Interesting. Now, I think there's... that's almost even too broad, because you could say, yeah. it's intense evil and suffering. It's like, okay, that's literally called life. Yes. I'd say th there's a lot of things that are intensely evil and, and suffer creating, suffering creating that aren't necessarily dystopia. That's to why me, yeah, dystopia is a takeoff of the utopian ideal yes. and of something that looks great, but under the surface hmm. is, is, is evil. And you know, you, you see this rising, this kind of this sentiment, uh, if you watch TikTok, if you watch culture, and specifically not even just talking about the news or the talking heads we know, I'm talking about the actual people who right. lived here. They're becoming increasingly discontent 
with the society they find themselves living in. And there's a myriad of reasons, and I have, I have zero desire to go into politics <laughs> here, but there's, a, there's a, a myriad of reasons they say this, whether it's they can't afford rent, they can't uh, find jobs, uh, that it's weird how we go about dating, yeah. that life has become just something that is um, that was supposed to be good and look good and we're told yeah. it's good, but actually it's very difficult and bad under it. So, okay, back to your question. Are we living in a dystopia? Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think that humans from the beginning of time, hmm. and I'm going to get a little theological here. Please. We, we have a desire for heaven. C.S. Lewis yeah. talks about the internal desire for the recreated world that God created us to want and live with it, right? So we actually have a utopian desire <laughs> built and wired within the human, yeah. um, the human threads of our being. Now, that being said, humans have tried to achieve this uh, desired utopia without God very sure. often. And by the way, this isn't a new thing, but it definitely is, I think, more concentrated now. But through all of human history, we've tried to achieve that utopia that's built into our hearts to desire um, apart from God. And I generally think, and this is just me and my crazy religious beliefs, but I generally Indulge think him. Yes, <laughs> when you try to live outside of the design for nature and reality that God has created, um, no matter what you try, will ultimately fail, will ultimately uh, be have have fracture in its structure. Yeah. And so all of our best efforts as humans, especially when we divorce God from them, we end up finding no matter how utopianistic we we desire something to be, it tends to it tends towards dystopianism sure. because it's not in line with how God created the universe. Now that's getting a little too heady. So what do I mean by we are living in a dystopia? Mm -hmm. I think we are living in a time in which we are told by the higher ups, by mm -hmm. the thinkers, that um, that everything is wonderful. And by a lot of metrics, we've talked about this. Yeah, things are better. Racism is down. Violence is down. Believe it or not, by the way, um, yeah. uh, uh, poverty is down. Hunger is down. So there are a lot of good things that have happened. Everything is awesome. But there's still this thread of discontent mm -hmm. where things feel fake. Things feel. Um, uh, 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 weird, things feel off, things feel unfulfilling. Everything's not awesome. Wait, what? Yeah. Um, and so I think it's interesting that you brought up that the, the dystopian novels and genre on a whole yeah. really kind of started in the 20th century. Yeah. Right? With, with the advancement, the quick advancement of modernity. You know, yeah. sometimes we need to remember that in the course of about 30, 40, 50 years, we went from wagons to standing on the moon. Right. And so we had all this technology at our disposal. And we talk about postmodernism a lot on this podcast. Yeah. Where it, in some ways we kind of said, oh, we created this amazing, amazing things. We don't need God. And, you know, yeah. Nietzsche is famous for uh, saying God is dead. And that was, you know, early in the 20th century. And so we kind of see the result now is we have all these amazing things in a quote utopia, but everything below it seems dissatis uh, dissatisfying yeah. Uh, and so, sometimes evil and awful. Sure. And so I would say by maybe a broad definition, sure. we are living within a dystopia. Cool. No, so I think that those are really good. I, I think that that's, so like my quick answer, this is, is this going to be one of those really fun episodes where we, um, where we disagree, but not as much as it sounds on the first surface. Nice. No, so, no, I'm doing a lot. Yeah, all right, all right, that's fine. No, is that my short answer is no, we're not living in dystopia. Okay. But the longer answer is you make an excellent point. It says as compared to what? Because mm. if you're comparing it to, you know, in a biblical sense, the Garden of Eden and the New Jerusalem, you know, the beginning and the end of the story, obviously all human society is a dystopia. 
Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things is funny, the, the word utopia comes from um, a, a Christian a Catholic humanist, uh, Erasmus, who was writing a satire book um, about a perfect society. And he called it utopia, but of course, utopia literally meant no place. Mm-hmm. And of course, his point was that there's this perfect society, but it doesn't exist. And of course, the really humorous thing is, you know, the people, again, you said when technology got so advanced in the 20th century and a whole bunch of people said, hey, we now have the ability to create a perfect society. We're actually going to create the utopias. That was sort of the first, one of the first times that like a whole globally, everyone was like, hey, we may be actually be able to make this on a global scale, this perfect society. And so they started to actually say, how's it going? I know. Yeah, (laughs) it's great. Going great. And then. People, but that was the thing is all these writers and artists were like, look at these projects. They are, as you said, Nathan, um, created, trying to create perfect societies. And what they're doing is they're doing all the backs of genocide and slavery and oppression. And it's really not as perfect as they're saying. Now, what I think is interesting, the reason that I talk about, you know, my thing is fascism and communism and things like that really were not just having aspirations they couldn't fulfill. They really were in many ways some of the worst societies even in history they not only were you know not better in the way that they thought they were they were actually worse than many societies throughout history Mm. even most i would you could argue what the um and worse than the alternatives that existed in the rest of the world so when i say like we're not living in a dystopia what i think is interesting is we if we are living in a dystopia we're certainly living in one of the least dystopian places exist on most measures for a couple of reasons. So you have the material ones that we've talked about and sort of like, you know, lower poverty, lower violence, lower racism, sex, et cetera. And even, but the second is even in the places say where the, where it's getting worse, because there are places where it's getting worse because again, it depends on the metric you're using. Certainly um, as our society has gotten, you know, richer and stuff like that in the 20th century, a consistent trend is we've gotten more depressed and anxious, like depression, yeah, anxiety, suicide has, written. suicide has written, depression, anxiety, suicide throughout the 20th century. People have yeah. tried to say like, oh, this is just because people are more aware of mental health. It's like, well, no, the suicides are also going up. Yeah. So there's a real disconnect in that way. You know, you can say people are not getting married as much or having sex or, you know, or, or the population is dropping, which you can argue with people. You know, loneliness is on loneliness the rise. is on the rise. So most of the things that are getting worse are internal things. And mm. my thing is that I would rather live in a world where the problems are internal because those are things that individuals can do something about. Whereas if you live in a society where people are physically oppressing you, and people are physically oppressing you, governments are really oppressing you, and there's no way for you to make a buck, even if you want to. Um, that's something you can't do something about. Whereas if you can, a society might get a little harder, but you can, you know, one of the best ways to, you know, curb loneliness and curb the, it is to join actually communities, become part of communities. That so, if you're going to make the trade off of which society is better or worse, this is better is that you know the society that actually is in the hands of the individual. I can actually go to church, I can join communities that actually do the people again. We talked about the people that actually have been rising in the only group that has been rising in its um uh in in its mental health, happiness, mental health are the people who are part of in person church communities, which is just an example of you know, and those are the people who are actually getting married and therefore having more sex and all those different things. So it's, again, we do live in a dystopian society if you compare it to 
what we should be as humans. But in compared to every other society and, in, and if you're choosing between ones where we have actually more choice to control how dystopian it is in our lives, this is much better than pretty much any alternative we've had. Woohoo! So one of the things I'm gonna push back a little bit Please. and in, in evidence my claim that we are living in a dystopia. Yes. And, and again, I don't think we're actually disagreeing that much. We might be, we might be um, uh, crossing uh, some definitions and terms yes. here. But one of the things, and this is more anecdotal than it is based necessarily on statistical data, sure. um, is that to me, and this I'm working off my own definition of dystopian, but to me, like I said earlier in the episode, to me, dystopianism is things looking beautiful and great, and right. it's societally speaking, technologically speaking, health, you know, all the metrics are technically up, right. but there's an insidious underbelly that's actually evil. Sure. And what I see is, yes, like, uh, like you said, all a lot, very many metrics are actually much better than they have been. Right. But my question is, at what cost? Okay, Because sure. you, you have something like The Giver, right? The Giver is a classic dystopian ah, tale where one. there's no violence, where there's no, um, uh, everyone is even keeled. Sure. There's, uh, uh, there's no sickness, but there's also no freedom. Sure. And so the dystopian there, they in that dystopian novel would say by by their metrics would be better off than us. Sure. But yet there's a dark underbelly that exists within that um, society. Same with like, let's say, Wrinkle in Time, right? Sure. Where everyone, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but in, <laughs> in that dystopian society, everyone is basically predetermined and programmed to move a particular way so that no one will get in each other's way, no fights will break out. Yes. So they eliminated all violence. They eliminated all um, suffering. They eliminated yeah. all sickness, but no one has any freedom. Sure. And there's a deep discontent, even under the facade of look how great everything is. And part of what makes what I believe this is a dystopian society that we're living in now is exactly what you said. The, all the metrics do look better, sure. but at what cost? So I ask at what cost? Because I'd say, yes, in many ways, we're better off, but there's some consequences that I think are mm -hmm. happening as a result of, quote, being better off. Making the mother of all omelets here, Jack. Can't fret over every egg. Hmm. You know, the internet was, was introduced uh, into yeah. society, and that is one of the big reasons why we are so much better off now. The, co the connection of, of data and people around the sure. world who are able to share, uh, build, you know, the, so there are great things that happened as a result of the internet, but as a result of the internet, we are more secluded, we are addicted to porn, we are addicted, uh, we are lonely, we are depressed, we have, um, uh, uh, we've talked about many of the problems yeah. on the episode, uh, on the episode, social media with comparison and compassion fatigue and constant awareness of yep. every terrible thing that happens mm -hmm. in the world. So technically, it's a good thing that provided, that actually helped the metrics, right? Sure, in a lot yeah. of ways, but there's a dark underbelly that to me says is dystopian. And one of the things that is evidence of this to me is that with all of our modern technology, that up all of those metrics that are getting better technically, sure, yeah. With all of that, what I see is this grand trend towards people actually wanting to get rid of the things that, quote, make life sure. better. You know, th there's an interesting thing that um, in the past few years, an interesting company that popped up, and it's called the Light Phone. No, we're not being paid by them. They're not a sponsor. <laughs> but I really but if, want one. But if, but, if, but if they do want a sponsor, yes, we please won't say let no. us know. <laughs> but it, it's a really interesting company. It started as a Kickstarter, made millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And now I, I don't know how many they've sold, but tons and tons of people have this thing called a Light Phone. The Light Phone is marketed as, quote, a dumb phone. So mm. basically, it's that phone you had in high school if you're millennial. Uh, it's the first phone you had. It's like Nokia. It is mm -hmm. black and white. Yep. There's no social media. There's no apps. All it does is call people. It 
can send a couple easy texts and that's it. And they're literally selling this phone for a lot of money because people are so desirous of something that is actually quote, less, less utopian, um, but they see the value in actually having in a way more freedom yeah. as a result of less um, technology that actually brings down all those metrics. So I don't know if that makes any sense to you, no, no. but to me, the metrics don't tell me if I'm a utopia or not. In mm-hmm. fact, if you look at the metrics of almost every dystopian novel you read, sure. things are actually better, but there's consequences that lie beneath the surface. Sure. So my that very excellent point. My put, so I have a couple points of pushback. One is the what you're what you're saying is yes, there's it's a the metrics are all up, but there's a trade-off. Yes. And the trade-off is a necessary trade-off. You can't have this, you can't have this um uh this utopian society without this trade-off. And the trade-off is you know too great a cost. Like for example, the um, you know, Fahrenheit 451 or the giver, it's like, oh, well, you know, you it's you take away all freedom. It's yes. like you, you can have all the perfect Generally, freedom is often the thing that's taken right. away. The thing is, what's interesting is that in our society, we have both greater, you know, I mean, greater political freedom relatively than any other time in Hughes' history and greater prosperity in those metrics. So the question is, where, you know, where is the trade-off? And of course, the trade-off- What is the dark underbelly? Where is the dark underbelly? And is the dark underbelly a necessary condition of it? Well, or is I would it say- one that we are just presently choosing, but we could choose not to have it? Well, I would say the the, stati- the statistics can actually tell us the dark underbelly. Sure. And there's something you brought up. Yeah. Okay, less war, less poverty, less famine. These are all good things. By the way, I want less of this. This is great. Less We're all in favor of less of this. Thing. Yes. But as you said, depression, yeah. loneliness, and suicide are all on yes. the rise. Now, to me, there's a trade-off. So you have these two metrics, or you have these metrics that show you things that have gotten better and things have gotten worse. And as you pointed out, the things that have gotten worse aren't physical, they are emotional and inside. They're, they're uh, interior things that are going wrong with us that we have allowed to take place as a result of having the exterior things taken care of. So again, it goes back to my definition where the outside of, of the utopia looks good while the interior of it is actually rotting away. And to me, the metrics perfectly, the statistics that you bring up perfectly exemplify why I do believe we're living in dystopia is because the outward, all, all the things that can be measured on the outside, um, outward racism, outward sexism, outward violence, outward poverty, all these things, are better, but the trade-off was we're killing our souls. But the thing is, I don't see that as a necessary condition of our society. I think that's mm. one that we're choosing to make as a trade-off right now. Society is to blame. But it's one that, again, we could, you know, tomorrow people could, because you pointed out, people are choosing to unplug from the social media and go for a dumb phone. They're choosing, many people are choosing to try to have the best of both worlds where social media does exist if they need it, but it doesn't actually control their lives. And we can, again, we have decided, you know, we, you and I decided we're actually going to invest in our communities, even though we also have impact of social media. So I think here's where we're, where we can come to an agreement. I think what you're saying is we live or what I'm saying is maybe both, we, we do live in a dystopia that we have the freedom to leave at any time and we just don't. Yes, I think it was. And, and I think that, yes, I would agree with that. We live in a dystopia of our own choosing, but it's not a, it's, it's not a dystopia that this is necessary in our society. Because I can turn, because I find myself, even today, I'm getting very personal. Even today, <laughs> I was, I found myself for like an hour just because I finished all my work this yeah. week, just flipping through Facebook and Instagram, 
And I felt my mental health declining, truly. Sure. And I felt myself getting more upset by, you know, some political <laughs> post, more um, sad because I compared my life to someone else's, you know, traveling the world or rich or whatever, or more frustrated because someone's saying something dumb, yep. whatever it might be. And I, and I said, wait, 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 this isn't my phone's fault. This isn't <laughs> social media or the government's fault. I'm choosing to continue flipping through here. So yeah, we live in a weird dystopia, in my opinion. Sure. But it's one I can turn off anytime. And so what I would encourage people to do is yeah. look at your world and see the dystopianistic elements. Sure. And then because we still have, an, and at least here in the West, and we have a lot of freedom, say, okay, I don't want to be part of that. And yeah. choose to live your life in a more healthy way uh, as of right now that doesn't that d- doesn't have you um, dealing with the ramifications yeah. of this quote, dystopian. Yes. I would say that if it is dystopia, it is a dystopia. It is the least dystopian dystopia maybe we've ever had. And it's one because it's one where you can make the choice. Although there's some interesting books about how, um, man, I I can't reference any, uh, where the dystopian wasn't a fascistic um, authoritarian rule. It was actually one that people kept on choosing for themselves. I believe that is a poor decision. Maybe. But it's mine to make. Sure, uh, sure. The, the, well, that, that's an interesting thing we can go. We can, uh, yeah. Um, we can uh, do explore point. Explore yeah. point. Yes. But cool. Well, I hope you guys have enjoyed this uh, discussion on the nuances of dystopia and whether or not we're living in one. Either way, I've really enjoyed it personally. But anyway, got, we guess we can uh, move on to blessings and curses. Cool. Let's do it. Cool. So, of course, as you know, this is a uh, this is a segment where we find something that's a. Uh, a work of art, media resource on the topic that we find want to recommend to you or want to tell you to stay away from. So we bless it or curse it. So Nathan, we were talking about this just beforehand. What is a dystopia that you want to bless? Well, there's so many good ones. And, you know, I, I could go for the classics like Like Wrinkle in Time and The Giver yeah. that I mentioned. Those are great books. The movies, not so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, and, but I'll say one of, I think my very favorite of the books it's Fahrenheit 451. Mm. It is just the the it is word art. It's beautiful. It's thought provoking. It's short, so all of you people who have short attention spans like me can finish it quickly. But it's really a worthwhile read, and it really has some interesting things to say about society and um, and where we are and where we're going and who we are as humans and what we need and what dystopia would actually look like that particular kind. Um, so I really love that book. I read it during the pandemic because I thought I should read some dystopian uh, <laughs> books. It's a fitting time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I figured, yeah. Um, so yeah, I really love that book. Um, as far as, so that's, I did a book, now I'm gonna do um, a, uh, a TV show actually. Mm. And it's been a while since I've been able to bless something very um, new. Yeah. And with, and every now and again, I'm just, you know, I, I enjoy TV. My, we, we watch, you know, fun shows and things, but every now and again, I'm really just taken. There's like that special moment. Yeah. Like, wow. This show got me. And I could be a really weird one here. It, this was not very advertised. It wasn't very talked about. It was something that I was like, yeah, what's this? And I was enthralled from the minute it turned on just because it's such, it asks us great questions and it's just beautifully acted and beautifully filmed. Sorry, it's a lot of lead up to the title, which is Severance. Mm. Severance is about a world and doesn't really give a timeline. So it could be now, it could be yeah. somewhere a little down, down the line, but it looks like our world. So it's not very far off in which there's a company 
who has um, who invented a technology in which uh, it can split the memories of their workers, meaning when they go to work, they forget their outside life and only the person inside exists. And when they leave work, they forget everything that happens at work. Mm. And so basically it's two different people living two different lives, but it has all these great ethical questions. It has all these great, what does it mean to be human? Um, and it's just so beautifully shot and acted. Uh, ben Stiller, actually, I believe wrote it, but I know he directs yes. it. And it's just, I don't know why it is really good to me. I really enjoyed it. So if you want something kind of interesting that'll ask big questions, yeah. Um, and that, uh, especially about dystopia, things that look good, but have a dark underbelly, this is the thing, uh, at least for me. And I'm going to curse a video game. I might've already <laughs> cursed this, but the reason I, uh, our producer is nodding his head, yes, yes <laughs> I have cursed this, but I'm going to curse it again because this game had so much buildup. Mm. This was a game that we, that was supposed to change all of our lives. And once practically the rollout was just awful. It was just filled with glitches and bugs. And then they took it back and I found like a, a copy that someone had bought and I bought it secondhand. And I was like, oh, I, I must be still good. It is awful. Um, I <laughs> Maybe someone out there likes it. I don't actually know anyone who does like it. It's called Cyberpunk. Yeah. It was supposed to be the next game of the generation. And you know, if you listen to a podcast, you know, I'm a gamer, you know, I love video games. I think they tell stories so beautifully. And this missed every shot of asking any interesting question mm -hmm. about what the future could look like, what dystopia could look like. It missed every shot about what it would do to humanity, it missed every shot to be beautiful, interesting. And all it did was go with cheap thrills and copy and paste a million things we've seen before yeah. that did it better. So sorry, cyberpunk. I, I got a, even with um, a cameo from Keanu Reeves, I, I even with his, it. It couldn't <laughs> save it. So I, I got to curse it. That's uh, really cyberpunk bad. Stuff. Yeah. If it can't be saved by a cameo from Keanu Reeves. That's Most things bad. can. Like yeah. we're, if our, if our podcast yeah. ever kind of starts drifting, Just bring on down, we're going to get a yeah, cameo from Keanu. <laughs> yeah. doesn't, doesn't matter how much it costs. <laughs> um, uh, cool. No, that's that's really good. So I'm going to uh, very quickly go through a, a couple of, you know, offbeat sort of um, dystopian recommendations. One is actually the Chronicles of Narnia series. Oh, if you really want to like actually look at what C.S. Lewis is sort of in his sort of Christian imagination, his idea of what it means to live as a good person in a dystopia. You have, again, not the, the space trilogy. No, no, no. The, I mean, you know, I could do that too. I was going to say, that's a pretty good dystopian <laughs> no, novel too. The idea of strength is actually probably one of my favorite dystopian novels. Oh, actually, see, I, I brought you a new one. So yeah, good for you. It's like, no, it, it actually is probably, I think it's one of the best um, dystopian novels of the 20th century in wow. his commentary on, on you know, the problems of, of modernity. But I'm actually going to go over, you know, the Cross Narnia because again, you know, whether it's a, the, you know, white witch having the always winter, never Christmas, or whether it's mm. in Prince Caspian, it's, you know, a world that forgets that Aslan existed, or whether it's in, uh, you know, uh, Magician's Death, not Magician's um, but of, of the Silver Chair, where it's a world that pretends that the good doesn't exist anywhere. Wow. It's like, he always asks the question, how do you, when you're living in a time that's ruled by evil, how do you be a good person in that, a faithful person in that? And so I think if you're looking for stories of like, if you feel like you're living in dystopia, how do you behave in that? I think actually the Chronicles of Narnia books are a great place to start. Um, I'm also going to, since uh, you usually bless this one, but I'm going to bless it this time, The Truman Show. Again, oh, one of my favorite movies of all time. If, if it's, if you're, if you're like the best movie to actually, I think of the sort of new dystopian movies to actually say, what are the problems in our society? 
and what is the solution, I think is a Truman show. It does yeah. actually talk yeah. about the fakeness of society, fakeness of relationships, the, 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 and actually what's funny is what we said on the show is actually what happens. He opts out. Well, and it's a world that looks good. Yes. It's order, it's safe, but there's something wrong. Yes, exactly. But he's actually has the ability to opt out and chooses to opt out of a toxic side question. Yes. Have you ever, after seeing that movie, especially when you were a kid, did you ever for just a second think that maybe you were in the Truman Show? More than a second. <laughs> because that is a mark of good art where it actually it has a few questions. You go, wait, is the whole is my whole reality not what I think it is? Yeah. Um, I'm also going to very quickly bless also the secret life of walter mitty starring ben yes. stiller this is one that actually uh nathan clarkson showed me and i'm blessing it because again i think it shows you again if there are dystopian elements in our society a lot of them um are things that we can do something about in changing our perspective and changing how we actually relate to the world around us and i think that that shows a good way to do that and a magic way to do that um so curses i'm gonna curse a couple movies <clears throat> one is V for Vendetta, the movie. First of all, really? Yes, I'm going to curse that. First of all, I just don't think it's a very, very well made film. I think that the graphic novel is really good and it kind of, it tried to turn a, a question about, you know, extremes of, of the extremes of politics into a let's copy and paste it onto modern politics. And it gave it its answer is you all need to rise up and destroy your all of your institutions. It didn't the, give a, 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 like, that's true. It didn't say, it said you should destroy this. My question is, Bill and what not? Well, yeah. that was the thing is Alan Moore actually, his graphic novel was, showed that they destroyed it and they didn't have anything to put in its place, which made them also bad. He had actually a complex story about the trade-offs, whereas this was like, no, you should all just destroy the things without, okay, what are you going to put in its place? So I think that that's done, I think a lot of our, move, some of our movements that have, that have taken place to try to make things better have been copying themselves way too much after V for Vendetta. Which is destroy something. Maybe it is bad and worth destroying. Right. But we can't just destroy. We have to find something that we Precisely. don't put in its place. Without, yeah. Well, in every addiction counselor to that too, when you're giving up something bad, yes. you can't just run from, you have to run to. Right. So I think that that's, uh, so I would say that. But also I think an easy one, Matrix Resurrections. Like, didn't I didn't see it. Yeah, you don't, don't see it. <laughs> Again, it's one of the things, the first Matrix was great as a, you know, dystopian sci-fi flick like Star Wars and, and a fun hero's journey story. But this one, it had none of the elements that made it good. And it, again, just, just kind of blanketly said, our society is bad because you can't shape reality the way you want it to. And that's, mm. you know, not a, that's, if our society is dystopian, it's not for that reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, those are my picks. Those are great. Well, thank you everyone for joining. This has been really fun. And, um, and if we're living in dystopian uh, uh, universe or society right now, um, we hope that you actually feel a sense of power to walk out of it. Yes. So I think that both of us and I agree, even with our disagreement, that ultimately we want to say that you have choice and agency in your world, um, even if it's a dystopian one. But if you like this podcast and you want to connect with us more, please check out our website at theoverthinkersjournal.com. And you can also check out our Facebook group. We're talking about these things. But if you want to get in touch with me, you can search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials, the dystopian social media, <laughs> yeah. or you can visit my website at nathanclarkson.me. Uh, you can find me on any of the socials or on uh, josephholmstudios.com. Yes, I just want to echo, thank you. I hope that this podcast and the work we do makes your world a little bit less dystopian. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. <laughs> <laughs>